Watered, a podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the good news of who Jesus Christ is. My name is Travis Michael Fleming, and I am your host. And today we're going to be talking about giving thanks. Remember, remember that song? Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks for he has given Jesus Christ his son. It's a good song. It's an old classic. And it's true because we need to give thanks. Why? Because we're stupid. That's why. We forget God's blessings all the time. We forget stuff all the time. Now, today we're going to be talking about giving thanks. We're going to talk about a thing I like to call the discipline of remembrance. And I'm going to share a story with you that you're going to have your jaw drop and go, what was that? And you're going to be telling people about it because it is an awesome story. But before we get to that, we need to have a word from our awesome sponsors. Are you looking to buy or sell a home in the Chicagoland area? If so, I highly, highly, highly recommend calling Kathy Brothers of Keller Williams Innovate and her team. She comes with years of experience, and I'm not going to tell you how many years because she might get mad at me, um, and love for people. She She's trustworthy. She's amazing, and she cares about her clients. And I can say this for a fact because I am one of those people, and I can say this stuff firsthand. She's my agent. She met with us and learned what we were looking for, presented us with the best options, and helped us find what was right for us. And that didn't even that didn't even stop there. You think, okay, you got the home. That's fine. But she's actually checked in to make sure that we're okay and things are fine and how we're doing. This is why Kathy goes above and beyond, and she is awesome at what she does. Because for her, it's not just a job. It's a calling. She's attentive to your needs. And style and comes alongside you to help you find out what's best for you. She rocks. Give her a call or text today at 630-201-4664. That's 630-201-4664. That's Kathy Brothers of Keller Williams Innovate. Tell her Travis sent you. Now on to giving thanks and why it's so important. It is so important to give thanks. It's a basic building block, but it's because it keeps us in the right mental perspective, especially when things start going nuts all around us. I mean, we have to keep perspective, right? Our perspectives get all messed up and we need to go back and remember those core truths. And that's why God tells his people, remember, remember, remember. I feel like James Earl Jones in Lion King remember. You know, it's, you got to remember, you got to remember what God has done for you. What has God done for you? And do you remember that? Sometimes we have to go back and go, wow, look what he did. And God tells us throughout this, his word, remember, remember, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 18. We need to remember it's all under this banner of the discipline of remembrance. That's what I like to call it. Now, the Bible says that we're to train ourselves for the sake of godliness. We had to discipline ourselves, which means we got to train ourselves. We got to get in shape. And part of getting in spiritual shape is keeping our mental perspective focused on who God is and what he has done. And that's not easy to do, but 
When we can go back and say, that's when God was there. That's when God was there. That's when God showed up in my life. Your perspective becomes much more clear and your anxiety goes away and you're able to rest and refocus on God. That's why God tells the Israelites time and time again, remember, remember. Anybody else hearing James Earl Jones in their head right now? Because that's what I'm hearing. Remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God, Numbers 1540. Or remember, Deuteronomy 515, when you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Or Deuteronomy 8.18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And remember, Deuteronomy 9.7, remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. And I could give you verse after verse after verse after verse. I mean, we're not even out of Deuteronomy yet. I got like 10 or 15 more of these just in Deuteronomy alone. Or going to Chronicles. First Chronicles, it's remember the wondrous works that God has done. I'm not even talking about the Psalms yet. Remember, remember, remember. God is saying, remember. In fact, in the book of Malachi, we read that God, or that they bring out a book of remembrance. In Malachi 3.16, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. We need to remember. Remember. Now, as we're talking about remembering, is there a story or a time where you can point back to what God has done in your life where he's been faithful? I can, and I want to share it with you today. Here's the deal. In the fall of 2004, I was a pastor of an urban church in Chicago on the northwest side. Uh, I loved what I was doing. I loved the kids that I served. It was an amazing church. It was a praying church. I mean, it had its problems like every church does, but the people there really did love God and wanted to see people transformed with the gospel. And while I'm serving in this position, though, I feel what I like to call the Holy Spirit's poke. When you know you have something just poking you, like there's something else. I have something else. I have something else. And I was sensing that God was leading me to do three things. Now, I don't know how God works with you, but with me, he gives general directions. He doesn't always say specifics or how those specifics are to come to pass. He just kind of points in a direction. And at this time, I was sensing three things. I was to leave where I was, to step out of my position as this uh, assistant pastor in Chicago. I was to be in full-time school. I was wanting to increase and felt God calling me to increase my my level of education and the knowledge of him and to study more and deeper. And I was also sensing him that I sensing him calling me to full-time vocational ministry at the same time. In other words, I was to be in full-time ministry while I was in full full-time school. The only question for me was order. What's the order? Do I take a step of faith first and then God shows the school? Uh, or do I take a step of faith and then he, and choose the church first? 
what do I go for? Or do I choose the church and then step out and, and, and then the school? And uh, what's the order here? So I looked and I looked at every option available. I decided that it wasn't prudent at that moment in time to just take a step out of step of faith, not knowing exactly where I was going to be. I had a wife uh, and my only had one child at that point. It was my daughter who was uh, just a baby. That didn't seem to, the pr- prudent thing to do, but I, I thought, okay, Lord, I, I want to obey you and I'm going to look at schools and I'm going to look at churches. And I looked all over the U.S. and uh, the U.K., uh, trying to figure out what God was leading or what he was doing. I applied to several different schools. There was one I really liked in New England, and I applied. But uh, after I applied, I dug down into their website, and I found some stuff theologically that I just wasn't on the same page with. So I called them up, and I said, you know, I applied, but I'm not planning on going there. I'm going to look at some other schools. And so I looked at some other schools, and I applied, and I interacted with other counselors, and some I really liked, and I did some visits. And and nothing, though, seemed to fit right. Uh, I looked at other churches, but that didn't seem what seemed to be what God was leading us to. And I didn't know exactly what to do. And I, I got to be miserable. And I remember talking to my father-in-law, who's a, a very wise man, and, and I said, I, I've done everything I know what I need to do in order to discern the will of God. He said, well, if you've done everything that you know what to do and your heart is right— then perhaps God had a door open that you missed, and you need to ask God to reopen that door. That's something that I'd not thought of, but I thought, why not? Makes sense. Uh, So I prayed that night before I went to bed. I said, Lord, please reveal any doors that I thought were closed that you had open. I woke up the next morning, and there was an email in my inbox from this school that I applied to in New England, and I went, okay, I'll check it out. And uh, drove out there with my wife and checked it out. And sure enough, that was clearly where God was leading. I came back and made the necessary arrangements. And I told the church, I said, hey, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm taking a step of faith. I'm going to go to school, but I need some financial help, just like any seminary student does. I mean, you don't make a lot of money as a pastor of an urban Uh, basically an urban youth pastor, and while the church was sacrificially giving to us, there just wasn't a lot there and not enough to build up savings to pay for seminary. And I was really looking to the Lord and his people to supply our needs. Nevertheless, we uh, prepared ourselves to go, even though we didn't have the necessary finances. We got a temporary living place that my wife had Uh, found online that would take us for five months. Uh, So it seemed to be that God was calling us to go to the school. I'd step out of this this church, and then he would open the door for uh, another church once we got there. And uh, right before we got ready to to leave, we had a, a, a brief respite right around the holiday period, meaning that I had put my my last days in at the church I was at, and we had a brief vacation. My wife was uh, is from South Florida, and we flew down to see her family. But right before we got ready to get onto the plane, um, there was a, a an envelope that my wife handed me with my name on it, and I opened it up, and inside was uh, a check for $1,500. I didn't recognize the bank, and there was no name on it. There was nothing, no note or anything else. It just said a check was for $1,500. And I was so grateful to God that he supplied that need, but had to catch the plane, 
put it on the table, got on the plane, got to Florida, had a great time. And then when we got back, we had to pack fast because we needed to hit the road and get out of our apartment. We were hurrying around, packing, basically just throwing boxes in, got on the road and I asked her, I said, did you deposit the check? And she said, well, I thought you did. And I said, I don't have it. And I realized we must have packed it. Well, to make a very long story short, after we got to New England and we got a place um, and then (laughs) was trying to find this check, I realized that we threw the check away. Yes, I threw away a check for $1,500 unknowingly. What do you do then? What I did was I wrote a letter back to the church that I had, I, I had been at, and I said, um, thank you, thank you, thank you to whoever anonymously gave us that check, but we lost it, and would you mind writing another check for us? Of course, there were no responses. Now, God was gracious toward us. After we arrived in New England, within 24 to 36 hours, I received a call from a church and I became their pastor. I actually dined with their search committee um, with like within three days after my arrival, and I think it was three weeks after that I was called to be their pastor. And uh, we saw God work incredibly at that church that had been dying. Um, their average age was 62, with an average length of membership of 38 years. They had fired their previous two pastors, and the church had split twice. We're two years away from closing, but by God's grace, by the time we left, he had brought some incredible people around us that helped us uh, build this church that ended up tripling and going to double services, and it was just incredible what he did and with the people that he brought. But after two and a half years, I sensed God leading me on. After I finished my degree at this school in New England, I wanted to pursue more theological education. So again, took a step of faith and found the school and moved out there with no money because this church, uh, though we had grown miraculously, it was still so tiny that we weren't able to be paid um, a lot to have any savings or pay for any any type of extra stuff, especially schooling down the road. Um, and so we, we moved back to the Midwest to a seminary north of Ch- Chicago. And uh, we went there, but we were also looking for a church at the same time. We wanted to, we thought maybe God was calling us to do the same thing that he did previously, where I was to be in full-time school and full-time ministry. So I started looking for positions, but there was nothing there. And and I thought, well, I need to go to a church and and get fed and also serve. And so uh, my someone from my old church in Chicago told me about a church that was about 20 minutes north of where we were. And we finally made our way there in the month of September or October. We were late to the service, um, and it was uh, almost in the shape of a barn, and it had wooden floors. It was beautiful, gorgeous, gorgeous church. And uh, we made our way in, but we were late. So the usher brings us in and sets us down. It's just me and my wife, and now we have two daughters. We put our younger daughter into the nursery, and then we brought our older daughter with us, who was probably at that time, I'm guessing, uh, around five or six years of age, and she brought markers with her. Well, the pastor's praying when my daughter opens up her markers and they go all over the floor, and it echoes because this is a, a wooden floor. It's this shape where the acoustics just echo, and the pastor's praying, and people turn around and look at us, and I'm so embarrassed. And uh, there's a guy that turns around and looks at me, 
that's right in the road directly in front of me and he looks familiar and I can't place him. I can't remember where I'd seen him. Service was over. Everything was great. We got in the car afterward and uh, I tell my wife that I think I'd seen this guy before, but I couldn't remember where and forgot all about it. A few weeks go by, we visited some friends in different places and uh, started going back to this church and we come into the month of November. It was actually almost exactly at this time, about 12 years ago now. And uh, we had no money left for our rent. We had rented this apartment, actually rented this home to stay in. It was quite expensive. Chicago Land is expensive and it was $1,500 a month. And I come home from school and there is a letter waiting for me. My wife hands it to me and it says this, Dear Travis, in the fall of 2004, I found myself at a church in the inner city of Chicago, and I heard about this young pastor who was a Moody Bible Institute graduate, if I remember correctly, and he was going on to seminary in New England, but had a financial need. God laid it on my heart to help meet this financial need. So I went to a bank in Lake Villa on Route 83, and I got a money order. I don't even remember the amount it was for. But while I was in the bank, I started feeling chest pains. I went to my car and I sat down in my car and I put the envelope in the passenger seat and I realized that I was having a heart attack. And I pray to God and I say, God, you told me to help this young man, but I'm going to die here today. And God says, you're not going to die. Mail the letter. So I call 911. I mail the letter, fall on the ground, and I'm army crawling as I see the ambulance drive by. They realize it's me, turn back around, pick me up, get me in and do all the tests. And they say, you're going to die today. You have the Widowmaker. He said, I'm not going to die today. God told me I'm going to live. Do whatever you need to do. He said, that was two and a half years ago. And right now, here I am, two and a half years later with half a heart, but God is still using me. Imagine my surprise when that young pastor that I helped Two and a half years ago, I see a far cry from Boston. God told me that I was to write you this letter. Maybe it helps you. Maybe it doesn't. Sincerely, a brother in Christ. What a letter. I have to tell you, though, when I got that letter, I wasn't happy. I was angry because it was just a reminder to me that I lost $1,500. It was unbelievable. Here I was needing $1,500 and... I lost it. And here's a reminder that I lost it. We go looking at Christmas lights that night, which is a popular American tradition. You get in your car and you drive around to different places where they have a lot of Christmas lights. And we did that and I'm miserable. And my wife, of course, is trying to keep the mood light, saying, oh, look at this and look at that. And I'm like, I hate lights. I hate Christmas. I hate everything right now. We get home that night and I'm pretty miserable. The next day I wake up and I'm I'm taking this time to really seek God. And when details of this letter come out, Route 83, Lake Villa. Route 83, Lake Villa. Had this been three years prior, I would have not known what Route 83 was, where it was, and I wouldn't even have known what Lake Villa was, which is a suburb north of where we were living, and we were living in the town of Gray's Lake at that time. So I decided to grab this letter, get in my minivan, drive on Route 83, come to Lake Villa, and I was going to go to the first bank that I see, that I saw. I was going to walk in 
and I was going to tell them this story. I tell my wife that, and she goes, do whatever God tells you to do. So I get in my van, drive (laughs) drive on 83, Route 83, and I see the sign for Lake Villa, and I kid you not, the very first building is a bank. So I pull right in. I take this letter, and I walk up to the attendant. And I try to explain this story and she's looking at me like I'm absolutely crazy. Is And she's actually like reaching almost underneath the counter to report that I'm trying to rob the place and I'm explaining everything to her and here's my identification. I said, I don't even know when this bank was built because this happened about two and a half years ago and this looks like a brand new bank. And, they, and she said, well, this bank was built during the fall of 2004, but I highly doubt if it's us. And even then... Um, there's other banks on Route 83, but I'm going to hand you over to a senior associate. So she hands me off to this other lady, very sweet, older lady, takes me out into the middle kind of uh, of the, the room. The, all the, the bank is basically wide open and there's different cubicles that are separating people. And I'm working with this senior associate and I tell her this entire story that I'm telling you now. So she begins to ask questions, and I ask her questions. I said, I don't know how many banks there are on Route 83 in Lake Villa. She said, there are eight. I said, okay, that's very interesting. And I said, secondly, I don't know how long, how good a money order is good for. I know that checks are usually only for a few months. And she said, well, a money order is good for six years. Now I'm very intrigued. And I thought, well, when was this bank built? And she said, the fall of 2004, but I highly doubt if this is your bank, it's probably one of the others. And she goes, who is the check from? I said, I have no idea. It was completely anonymous. And who is the check to? I said, well, that's me. And here's my identification. You can ask me anything you need to know. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people that try to con their way into things, but here I am. I'm training in pastoral ministry, been a pastor, served as a pastor, training for further pastoral ministry. And uh, here it is. And she said, well, let me check our records. And she asked me some more probing questions, and, and she's going back and forth through our records, and she's called it up, and she's going through it, and she goes, oh, my goodness. I can't believe this. We have your check. I started to cry in the middle of that bank. You can't tell me that God doesn't exist, that he would take care of my rent, two and a half years before, that he would supply that check at that moment in time, that I would lose it, that I would move to New England, that I would come back, that I would go into that church. And it was that man that turned around when my daughter knocked down her markers. And it was that man that God told to write me this letter. He had no idea that I never cashed that money order. No idea. Once you once you make it a money order, it's out of your hands. He had no idea that I never cashed it. But God told him to write me this letter, and it had those details, Route 83 and Lake Villa. And that I went then to that bank, and I sat there, and that woman then told me that that was my check. I started to cry, and I, and I said, you can't tell me that God doesn't exist, that he would pay my rent three years ago and that I would lose it and then all these things would happen and I would come back to this moment in time. You can't tell me that God doesn't exist. She could tell I was pretty emotional, had the check cut, 
written out for me, and I went and deposited it and paid my, my rent. And God used that man. That wasn't the last time that he used him. He became my, my raven. When I use that term raven, and I don't know if you have a raven in your life, but in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1 through 7, we read this account, and it's about Elijah the Tishbite. Now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. He's my raven. This man has showed up different times in my life. I don't know if you have a raven, but we need to remind ourselves that God is looking out for us in ways that we don't expect. You know, I paid my rent, and I I found out who that guy was. Several months went by, and I found myself working at that very church. I was helping lead worship. It's a part-time job. It wasn't full-time enough to support my family. And I found myself in need of rent again. I finish a service, and this same man walks up to me, and he said, hello, Travis. And I said, hey, what's your name? And he goes, you, he goes, you know who I am. I said, I do. <laughs> I'd learned who he was. And he said, how may I help you? Now, I've learned something in my life. When God opens up certain doors and certain people that you don't beat around the bush, you tell them plainly. Charles Haddon Spurgeon called them business prayers. When we go to God with business and we just need to get down to business. And so I realized that this man listened to God. It wasn't, I couldn't cajole him. I couldn't manipulate him. That if God said yes, then God said yes. And if God said no, then God said no. And if God told him to do something for me, then I needed to tell him exactly what that was. And so here's the deal. I said, I need rent again. It's $1,500, and what I really need is a full-time job. He said, give me a minute. I went to the restroom, and I came back, and he handed me $1,500 in cash. And he said, come and see me tomorrow. Isn't that incredible? He took care of my rent again, and he gave me a job, and that lasted for several months. And then, I mean, there's a lot more to that story. I could tell you so much more about how God has showed up in different parts of my life through my raven. Do you have a raven? Who is the raven in your life that shows up at just the right time and helps meet your need? And it's not him or her, it's God working through them. And we have to remind ourselves of these people, these ravens that we have in our lives. I have to remind myself of that. During the difficult times, when times are tough, and right now, many of us are in tough places. We're struggling. We don't know how we're going to make ends meet. I know that for me, I took a step of faith out of my position right before a pandemic, and my paycheck ended up being done at the beginning of July, and I wondered, how am I going to take care of my family? I really feel God calling me to do a different kind of ministry than I've ever done before, and I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I don't know how I'm going to take care of my family. And you know, I look over the past several months and I'm amazed at what God has done. 
that I have people walk up or give me texts and they say, can I see you for a minute? And they hand me an envelope with $1,000 because God touched their heart to help me. Or another check appearing in the mail from my raven for another $3,000. Or when God gives me opportunities to speak in places or other people come up and hand things, or I get a stimulus check, or I get an a, a, a tax refund that was much more than I ever anticipated. God has taken care of our needs and he will take care of yours. And you need to preach this to yourself. We have this tendency to think of God like, what have you done for me lately? And God says, look back, remember what I have done for you. Remember, 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 remind yourself, write it down, have a book in your home. My wife has a book right in our entryway where we record the different things that God has done for us and how he supplied our fam, our, our, our needs. And we need to teach them to our children so that they might see faith being worked out. I mean, I've been looking for work. I have been looking for what that next opportunity is. And God has made it abundantly clear that he wanted me to do this podcast and create a 501c3 ministry called Apollos Watered, where we can saturate the world and we can help you saturate your world because we want to see lives transformed. This is more than a podcast. This is a ministry where we have articles and we're helping and we're counseling and we're writing material and we're helping grow the church all over the world because people need training. People need to hear about what God is doing and to be equipped to saturate their world, especially those pastors in, in majority world cultures. Only 5% of the world's pastors have any theological training. How much more do the people in the churches need help? And one of the things that we want to do is help meet that need, except not just for the pastors. We want to help the common everyday Christian grow deeper in their knowledge of who Jesus is. And technology opens doors that we couldn't even dream of. It's incredible what God has done and what he is doing in the world. And we want to invite you to be a part of that journey. We want you to be praying for us and let us know how we can pray for you because our God answers prayers. He shows up in our lives, even when we're undeserving, because it's true. We all make mistakes. We all mess up, but God is faithful even when we're foolish. God shows up. He's merciful and he's gracious and he's long suffering and he loves us with an everlasting love. Now he will discipline, he will chastise, but he does that because he loves us. And we need to remind ourselves of these stories. Perhaps you have your own. If you do, I'd love to hear about it. I would encourage you to email me at travis at apolloswater.org or go onto our Facebook page and message us there because I want to share your story. I want other people to draw encouragement, and I hope you are encouraged by my story and my raven. I want to hear about your raven. Who's your raven? What have they done for you? Maybe that will we can put that on the air and share that with other people so that they too can be encouraged because right now we need that encouragement. If you have any questions for us or comments or things you'd like us to do more of, please also let us know. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share this with other people. That's the greatest honor you can bestow upon us is share this with other people. And lastly, pray for us. Pray that God would use this podcast to help other people 
all over the world. We want to see the name of Christ magnified and we want to see lives transformed. And that's where you come in. When you are praying, you are laying out this ministry before God, asking him to bless and utilize it for his glory and our joy. We're already able to reach people all over the world and we think that's completely and totally awesome. And we want to thank you for how you've participated with us, how you've joined us, how you've prayed with us. And you are a part of Apollos Army. That's what we're calling it. The Apollos Army. Those super fans of the show that really get involved and engaged want to help us grow this ministry so that God's name can continue to receive glory all over the world. With that in mind, this is Travis Michael Fleming signing off for Apollos Watered. Stay watered, everybody. Stay watered, everybody.